You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about the Identity Theft Assistance Center, and we have a wonderful guest joining us all the way from Washington, D.C. Let me tell you a little bit about Ann Wallace. She is the president of the Identity Theft Assistance Corporation, which is a nonprofit corporation that operates ITAC, the Identity Theft Assistance Center. And ITAC's Victims Assistance Center service is free to consumers and it is supported by the member companies and banks. And they help consumers to recover from identity theft. As the financial services industry, uh, center with a lot of expertise, ITAC and its member companies try to fight identity theft through identity theft protection, victim assistance, law enforcement partnerships, and consumer education and research. And she is a recognized expert on privacy, financial services, and payments law. And Ann Wallace serves as a resource for the news media, Congress, and academia on these types of issues. She advocates for identity theft victims in the national dialogue about finding solutions to, of course, one of our most challenging and uh, crimes in this country. And she's helped the, to, to develop the iTech Sentinel. That's an identity management service that makes identity theft um, victim assistance available to all consumers. And she began her legal career with the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve Board where she served as Assistant Director of the Division of Consumer and Community Affairs. And before that, she pioneered the Financial Services Privacy Consulting Practice at KPMG. And she also was Legal Advisor to the U.S. Treasury Department's initiative to convert the federal government's paper-based collections and disbursements to electronic funds transfer. So she has a wonderful background and you can find out a lot more about iTech at identitytheftassistance.org. So thank you uh, so much, Ann, for joining us all the way from D.C. Well, you're welcome. I'm delighted to be with you. Well, tell us a little bit more about how the Identity Theft Assistance Center got started. Well, that's a great question, and uh, uh, we're very proud of the fact that iTech is a, it's an industry initiative um, Eight years ago, uh, 50 companies put money in a pot and said, we believe that uh, we're going to, we understand that our companies are, are already helping their customers recover from identity theft, but we can do more, and we want to do more. And so 50 companies, um, you know, collected funds and decided that they would create an assistance center um, it, there wasn't any law passed. They just decided that it was the right thing to do. And um, we did a pilot first to, to test this concept because it was a new service, hadn't been done before. 
And um, we tested it for about a year and said, yes, this works, and people really like it, and it really helps victims. And, and so it's permanent. It's a permanent part of, of you know, the industry's um, outreach to consumers. And to date, after eight years, we've helped over 100,000 consumers That's recover right. from identity theft. That's wonderful. How did you get involved with that, Anne? Well, it was just one of those happy coincidences. Um, I did a lot of privacy work, and um, I had been um, counsel at a credit card company. And so um, I knew some folks here at the Financial Services Roundtable, which is a a trade association um, in Washington, D.C., and they were the ones who were building this, you know, had this concept. They're the member companies here at the Roundtable did. And... um, you know, they described kind of what they wanted, and I said, oh, yeah, okay, that's a call center. You want a call center? Because I, of course, at a credit card company, I'd worked, I, I knew what call centers were, and I could sort of sketch out the the process flow, and um, so we built it from the ground up. Well, that's wonderful. So how is iTech governed? And, and well, we already talked about how it's financed, but... Uh, how is it governed? It's a nonprofit membership company. So the companies that contributed money are members, shareholders, if you will. Uh, so it's Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Bank of the West, um, U.S. Bank. I mean, lots of household names that you, you know that you'd recognize. Um, they're they're all members. We have a board of directors that uh, meets here in Washington four times a year and um, oversees the operations. So tell us a little bit about how it works. How does a victim, let's say somebody's listening right now and they are a customer of Wells Fargo or Bank of America, what would they do? Well, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to call that bank. You're going to call Wells Fargo or B of A or U.S. Bank, and you'll say, talk to the fraud department, and you'll describe the problem. And and if it is, in in fact, identity theft, of course, the bank is your first line of defense, and they will fix any problems that arise at that institution. And then what happens is Wells will say, we have, um, you know, this additional service, iTech Victim Assistance, that's available to you, and ITAC can help you find and fix problems that may have happened at other companies. So that's really the key role and the key distinction is that, you know, your your own bank can help you fix problems at that bank, but they can't really solve a problem that happened at another company, and that's ITAC's role. So what happens is the consumer says, yes, that sounds good, and um, Wells Fargo will do what's called a, a, a warm transfer, just transfer that phone call directly to our victim assistance center. So that, that's the way the consumer comes to us. Because hmm. I, I wondered how often that happens because um, I get calls from victims that have had a bank like Bank of America or Wells Fargo or Chase and... I very rarely do I ever hear that they were ever referred there. So I wonder how how that really works in terms of the referral. Well, we find that the referral process works pretty well. Um, our our member companies are always on the lookout for consumers who would benefit from from the iTax service. Um, and as I said, we've helped over a hundred thousand consumers recover. 
Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's a, it's a terrific service. People really uh, find it very comforting. What what happens is uh, just to continue. You, you asked me about the service right. itself. Mm-hmm. So what happens is so the consumer gets transferred to the iTech Assistance Center, and um, the agent, our iTech agent, will say, "Do we have your permission to access your credit report?" Because of course. Right. As, as you know, under Fair Credit Reporting Act, that's that's the, the front door. And um, the consumer says yes, and so the iTech agent will pull up um, the credit report and then walk the consumer through the credit report um, line by line, trade line by trade line, to see if the consumer recognizes what's in the credit report. So there may be mistakes, you know, just basic stuff like, an address may be off or something, mm-hmm. or it may be, in fact, um, new accounts that have been opened without the consumer's knowledge, or account takeover where the balance has been run up. And if we do find additional suspicious activity, ITAC notifies all of those companies. If it's a member, one of our member companies, that company gets electronic notice, so it goes right out, right away. If it's a, a retailer, a phone company, maybe a utility, those companies get a letter from us saying, gee, it looks like Ann, Wallace, Ann Wallace's account at, you know, let's say a retailer is not hers, and you should take a look at it. You need to investigate. Right, so that's early intervention. Exactly. So what about um, in terms of actual electronic funds transfer that does not appear on a credit report? So since you have member banks that are like Wells Fargo's, Bank of America, Chase, and others, um, there might be check fraud or there might be electronic funds transfer or debit card fraud, which does not appear on a credit report. So what about that? Is, Is there any help with regard to that? Well, you know, that's a great question, and we're often asked, what about other kinds of fraud? And um, the way our financial services system, the way, you know, the world is made up these days, there are a lot of different databases that, and, that have information, a lot of different kinds of transactions. And so it's, it's not really possible for ITAC to help with all of those kinds of, of transactions. Uh, we do encourage people to, um, you know, to use whatever remedies they have. The remedies under f- federal law, with, for example, the electronic fund transfers, right, to to fix any mistakes that have occurred. Yes, we're speaking with Ann Wallace, who is the president of the Identity Theft Assistance Corporation, which is a nonprofit corporation that operates the Identity Theft Assistance Center, and it's made up of companies that. Um, help to finance it. So in, in your experience, is identity theft getting better or worse? And what are some of the factors that you think are involved? Well, I think probably the biggest contributing factor to the amount of um, identity fraud we see today is the Internet. I mean, I think that, you know, uh, one way to look at it is that identity theft has been around a long time. It's not a new phenomenon. I mean, we had people posing as you know, someone they weren't for centuries. Sure. But mm-hmm. um, 
you know, you could usually see them, and they they weren't that far away. They weren't on the other side of the world. Um, today, the the problem of protecting information and um, ensuring that you know, from a company standpoint, that that you you as a as a lender or as a, a, a you know a, f- a phone company or something is dealing with the the right person. It's it's very hard, given yes. the amount of information that's out there and just the the ease with which um, you know people can can be tricked. Yes. Well, not only can they be tricked, the, the ease in which someone can go in and steal and hack and security breaches we hear about are happening all the time. So it's it's difficult for the financial industry and it's difficult for the consumer. Let me ask you, are there other organizations other than financial companies that can join ITAC? Uh, they can, and we'd love to have them. Um, we, we have uh, talked a number of times to other sectors, whether it's um, the cell phone, you know, the mobile companies or... Utilities. Utilities, exactly. Because as you know, a lot of the identity fraud happens there. Um, You know, it may start with a cell phone account and then move on to other types of, of, um, you know, accounts at financial services companies. Right, right. So um, if, if a consumer who is a customer of one of your banks, uh, is there any kind of like ombudsman help if, let's say, someone had a problem with Wells Fargo and they weren't, um, you know, giving them the documents that they're entitled to under the Fair Credit Reporting Act or they weren't doing something? Is there some kind of an ombudsman within your organization that tries to just, you know, resolve issues and, and help everybody out? Well, you know, that's a great, that is a great question. We've never really thought of it from that standpoint. I mean, many of the banks themselves, as, as, as I'm sure you know, have, um, individuals or, you know, departments that, that serve that role of, you know, try to, uh, mediate, if you will, yeah, between yeah. the consumer and, right. and the, and the institution itself. Uh, but it's not something that we've ever thought about doing, but, but I we, think should. we should. Yeah, I think it would be great, especially with your financial services roundtable. I think that would give a lot of credibility and, and maybe resolve issues more easily. And, you know, as an attorney mediator myself and you being an attorney, you know the the um, advantages of trying to resolve things quietly and, and comfortably for everybody and quickly. I think that's um, that seems to be, because I get these people who call me that have, real problems and um, and things aren't getting done. It would just be nice to know that there was some kind of an ombudsman service with you all. That's a great suggestion. Yeah. So in terms of what you think the, the single most important thing that a consumer should do to protect his identity, what do you think that would be? Well, you know, I, I always say to people, um, it, it's as much your frame of mind as, as what you do. It's, it's being suspicious. Mm-hmm. You know, having a sense of um, just awareness about information and how sensitive information should be protected, and just thinking twice, asking for this information, and where is it going, and what are you doing with it? Um, you know, we see people every day, and I'm sure you do too. Um, they've gotten spam emails or 
um, been the victim of a social engineering uh, scheme, you know, that you just have to think twice before disclosing information. Right. And, you know, that's, most honest people are pretty trusting people. And I think you have to think of um, that you can't trust everybody that you meet on the Internet. You can't trust the emails you get. And you can't trust sometimes phone calls you get. You just have to be very, very careful. Like you, like you say, Anne, just think twice, think maybe three times even, and uh, don't give out any personal information. And, you know, even if you think it's the IRS calling, you, you go and you look online and you find the telephone number for the IRS yourself and you call back. You know, that actually happened to me once, Anne. I, um, I had gotten a call from the IRS and they wanted to know all this information and um, and I didn't believe them because I myself was a victim of identity theft back in 1996. And of course, I I deal with thousands of victims just like you do. And um, it just and I said, I'm sorry, I am not going to talk to you. I'm going to call back the the number that I know you want to give me your name and your employee number, and I will see if if it's really there. Please don't think I'm being rude, but I've been burnt. And um, and sure enough, it really was true. But. <laughs> But, you know, and she, you know what, she laughed and she said, I don't blame you at all. So be nice about it, but just don't give it. Just check it out before you give that information, because especially if it has anything to do with your social security number or your account numbers or any sensitive numbers that you have, um, your health insurance number, all that kind of stuff. Right, Anne? I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. So what about the... Um, the pros and cons of using identity theft monitoring services? Well, what we always tell people is you can do this all for free. You don't have to pay for a service. As you know, you can um, see your credit report on a regular basis for free. Um, You can review it. Um, You can monitor your accounts often online uh, to, to find any suspicious activity um, so there's an awful lot that people can do on their own at no cost. I want to piggyback on what you just said, Anne. That's so important that people can get their credit reports, and you can mm-hmm. get them for free at annualcreditreport.com. That's A-N-N-U-A-L creditreport.com. That is the website that was really uh, initiated by the Federal Trade Commission with the credit bureaus. So you can get each one of the credit bureaus' credit reports once a year for free. So that's really important what Ann was saying. It it really is and it's a it's a wonderful tool. Now the truth of the matter is we're all busy and we have a we have day jobs and we may forget or you know, like the convenience of the of a monitoring service that's going to be you know, their lights are on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and 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 just feel better getting an email saying everything's okay on a regular basis. So there certainly there certainly is a case to be made for that if you know if if you want to do it, but um, you should also look very carefully at the services. What exactly are they going to do? How much are they going to cost? Um, and go with one that, that, you know, a reputable service. Because sad to say, not all of the services out there deliver the same, uh, shall we say, quality of service or, or, or thoroughness of, of help 
for consumers. Exactly. And um, I was on a task force with the Consumer Federation of America. And so if you're listening and you're interested in doing one of these uh, identity theft monitoring or protection services, go go to Consumer Federation of America right on the website, and you can click on their uh, fact sheets for determining the kinds of questions you should look at when you're just about the same thing that Ann was just talking about, about questioning, you know, what does it cost? What does it include? When will they help me? If I become a victim now, will I get services? And and will it include more than just credit monitoring? Will it include bank monitoring or medical identity theft monitoring? There are so many different things. So it's really important that you um, do exactly what Ann said, which is be discerning about choosing that if you want. If you're really, really concerned, then you can get it, and they're all over the place in terms of prices. So that's that's really going to be important. What about child identity theft? Do you see much of that with regard to the people that call your uh, identity theft assistance center? Um, in terms of numbers, probably not that many you know, in terms of sheer numbers. But, but of course, any time of, uh, you know, something like this involves a child, it, it is a special case. It's a different category. So we are concerned about it um, for a couple of reasons. One is that, you know, in, in one sense, children are natural victims of identity fraud because they have Social Security numbers and they're not being used. And so... Um, you know, it's a it's a great opportunity for a criminal to get a sort of fresh, yes. um, you, you know, record and and run up lots of bills using the child's um, social security number. And of course, um, it can go undetected for a long time because um, until the child turns sixteen or seventeen or so, you know, and is actually applying for credit. Often, it's a you know they go to try to buy a car or. Uh, get an education loan, that's when, the, you know, something will turn up and, and the, the child will suddenly, and his or her parents will suddenly find, oh, my gosh, um, you know, the, the criminals have been using the kid's Social Security number. So it, it can go on for a long time. It's hard to detect. And um, so it's something that, that we're watching very closely. Yes, and the Federal Trade Commission has done a bunch about this, and if you're listening and you have children and you're worried, uh, you can contact the credit bureaus. And I suggest you actually put a credit freeze on each of your children's uh, credit profile if you can. If you can establish a credit profile and then put a freeze, then you don't have to worry about it. Just need to remember that when they turn 16, you might want to change that. But it it is a problem. And, you know, there was a study here in California by the Office of Privacy Protection that found Believe it or not, about 60% of foster children are victims of identity theft. Isn't that horrible? It's just, uh, they have an inordinate amount. But let's talk about the industry a little bit. Industry uh, hurts, identity theft hurts the industry itself, the financial industry. It costs them a lot of money. It can be very embarrassing. It hurts their brand and all that stuff. Um, What is the industry doing to prevent fraud and identity theft? Well, you, you know, it, it, that's a tough question to ask and to yeah. answer in in, yeah. uh, in two minutes, right? Uh, because there are they are doing so many things. I mean, it's everything from the um, y- y- you know the nature of the 
the cards, the plastics themselves. Cards, of course, have gotten more sophisticated over the years. Um, although, of course, in Europe they're using now chip and pin, which is uh, believed to be more secure. But the, but so the you know the industry is evolving. You know, with respect to the the physical technology of of things like cards, um, they have um, pattern recognition um, software. Um, in use on on you know virtually all institutions monitor the the patterns of of customers' use so that if suddenly you see a, a series of transactions you know dollar amount or or location a red flag is is going to go up and and probably you and all your listeners have at one time or another gotten a call from their credit card bank saying are you in Hong Kong right you know so right. it's you know it's the detection um, of uh, Process. It's um, it's the physical security. It's um, encouraging consumers to keep their um, PCs updated. Some of our members um, have uh, discounted uh, versions of um, you know internet. Your so, um, what am I trying to say? <laughs> um, software so you can protect your PC. Right, the anti-spyware and anti-spyware. the anti-virus. Yeah, and, that's great. And, and some of the banks have a special deal for the consumer, so you get a discount on the on the product and and download it and keep your PC protected. So there's there's all kinds of ways that the industry is working to you know to fight fraud and protect their customers. Right. And I really love those alerts. Like I do online banking, so I can see, and then I get an alert. Anytime there's an electronic transfer, I immediately get an email to see if it's really, um, you know, if, if it's truly me or not, because there's certain laws that you have to tell um, the, the, you know, the financial institution right away if there is any electronic funds uh, fraud. So it's very nice if you can just set up an alert that you get by email or text or phone. So that's, I think, a really smart thing that they've done. And I just uh, think it's really important for people to start using it. So, you know, you said uh, that ITAC works closely with law enforcement. We don't have much time yet, but can you just tell a little bit about how you work with law enforcement agencies? Sure. Um, One of the uh, things that we say to the consumer when they um, get help by ITAC is we say, okay, now you understand we're going to share information about this incident with law enforcement. Um, that's part of the deal. And, and we decided that right at the beginning that it was really crucial to share information about individual cases with law enforcement. That's not to say that law enforcement is going to be able to investigate all of these cases individually, but the reason we share is because um, in the aggregate, um, if, if um, it helps law enforcement investigate and find the bigger cases, the ones with more victims, the ones with um, greater losses, and that makes their prosecution uh, better. Yes. So what we do is we share information every day into the Federal Trade Commission's Consumer Sentinel database. Right. And that database is used by law enforcement agencies to, to do their investigations. 
And, and it's wonderful because sometimes they can find national and international fraud rings. So it's it's great. Well, we thank you so much. You're doing such a wonderful job, Anne. And we really honor all the, the help that you're trying to do and, and coordinate with all of the various financial institutions. And, yeah, if you want some ideas about doing an ombudsman program, you just give me a call because I have some ideas for that as being a you know 26-year mediator. But... I, I really think that it's it's wonderful to have assistance for the consumers because often it, it's totally beyond their control that they became victims. So we thank you so much, and we will have you back again. Well, thank you. It's, it was a real pleasure being with you today, and I, I do hope I, I can be with you again. Okay, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. See our upcoming guests, download podcasts, listen to archived interviews, and check out the people's website of those experts that we visit. And we thank you so much. Please write us an email about what's important to you about privacy in the information age. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.